It's nice to see you today. We've been talking about breaking free. And today what I'm going to talk about is going to relate to any vice that people have. We're focusing on health, physical health. If you listen to my messages, we talk a lot about spiritual health. We talk about emotional health. You know, letting go of resentment. You know, forgiving yourself, letting go of guilt and regret. We deal with a lot of those things. I, I like to talk a lot about character issues. But it's seldom that I do a whole sermon just on physical health. Things like maybe somebody smokes pot. I know that can't be physically healthy for you. Maybe somebody uses drugs or uh, drinks too much or eats too much. It's all these things. We all have these vices that we struggle with that actually ruin our health. And the more you do it, the more it ruins your health. And then if I'm involved in something like that, if I'm not healthy, it's going to affect me at at my work. It's going to affect my relationship with my wife and my kids. I want to have the energy to do better. I think everybody here, if I were to say, would you like to have more energy? Would you like to be more attractive? Would you like to live longer? Would you like to feel better? I can't imagine anybody saying no. We want to feel better. We want to live longer. We want to be more attractive. We want to have more energy. But if it meant for me to do that, for me, I can't drink anymore because I overdo it. Or for me... I've got to control my eating. Or for me, I've got to quit using drugs. or Whatever the things is, those vices that we do, it can be workaholism. Like what happens is you're working, 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 and you're not getting enough rest. For some people, the most spiritual thing that you can do is go take a nap. Because you've got yourself going from morning to night straight through, and you're involved in so many things that is unhealthy. You're physically unhealthy. It doesn't matter to me what the issue is. We all struggle with these things. Mine, I'm not a drug user and never have been. And I've, I have drank alcohol before, but so little. And I don't know what it means to be drunk. I've never just, I've never been involved in any of this type of stuff like this. For for me, if you say, what's your hardest thing? For me, it's food. For me, it's food. I like to keep my weight under 170. I'm 185 now. <laughs> and I've lost down, then I gain it back. I lose it down, and I gain it back. I lose it down, and I gain it back. Maybe I've lost 300 pounds. It's the same 15 pounds over and over and over. But it's a comfort. It's a comfort for me. For other people, when they're dealing with issues in their life, what they'll do is maybe relax and smoke pot. And they'll use that as their comfort. Or drink too much and get a little bit drunk. Because then it becomes a comfort. People turn to all kinds of things. Today I want to address those things. I want to address breaking free from, you know, chemical dependencies on things. Um, Some people even use medicine prescribed from a doctor but overdo it. In order to find comfort in those ways. But I want to talk about those things. And how we can apply that to our life. That God wants you to be healthy. God wants you to succeed. It seems like he wants us to be healthier than what we care to be. He wants more good in our life than we're willing to receive. And we sabotage it because of our hearts. See, I think those type of things have to do with our heart, not willpower. But there's something missing on the inside that makes me feel like I've got to turn to food for that comfort instead of God, or healthy relationships. What is it that's going on inside me? Because I can lose weight, and then I'll gain it back. I can't keep it off. And every year that goes by, I notice I'm a couple more pounds up. Like last year at this time, I was probably about 183. The year before that, I was probably 181. The year before that, I was probably 179. I'm serious. It just seems like every year it's a couple more. Every year it's a couple more. And I'll lose it because I'll be thinking, oh, I've never been this high before. So I'll lose it down, and then I'll gain it all back. 
there's something inside that we have to deal with to reach the goals that we have. I want to talk a certain way. I want to act a certain way. I want to think a certain way. I want to feel a certain way. One thing that we've talked about is you can't do it alone. People are not successful on their own. We need one another to help one another, encourage one another, support one another, challenge one another, spur one another on toward good. I can do it temporarily on my own, but then, like I said, it'll fizzle out. I try to have the willpower to do it on my own, but I don't know about you, but my brain has a malfunction in it. Maybe you guys suffer with the same thing. My brain has a malfunction. I'll go into a restaurant to order a salad, and I'll come out with a pizza. Has that ever happened to you? I go in, I'm salad. I start seeing that pizza, and all of a sudden, see, my heart works the same every day. My knees work the same every day, but my brain malfunctions. That's why you know I can't depend on me. I can't put my faith in. I can just be strong enough to work it out. Now, they say that only 30% of adults are on weight. Then, out of that 30%, some of those that are on weight smoke. Then you remove those. Some of them drink too much, and they use alcohol. When you remove those, some of them smoke pot or use drugs. When you get down to it, there's very few people in the world that aren't struggling with some sort of a vice, something that they're using to comfort them instead of God. They're struggling with something that's unhealthy, physically unhealthy for their body that they turn to instead of just turning to God and allowing him to meet their deepest needs. I know with my issue, they say 80% of women worry about their weight. They worry about it. So that's an issue that shows that a lot of people struggle with one that I'm focusing on for me today. But as I talk through this message, I want you to look at what do you do? What is it? What's my vice that I turn to to bring me comfort that's bad for my health? What is it that I'm doing? I smoke pot. I drink too much. I eat too much. I smoke cigarettes. What is it that I I know is unhealthy for me, but I just do it, and I try to quit, but I go back to it? Or I quit for a few days, but then I can't. What is it that's unhealthy for me that I can't seem to get over? And what's in my heart? What's going on in the inside that's not allowing me to have that success that I want? One of the things I notice is, for me, the food industry is my enemy. If you make a cake, it's six ingredients, right? And you eat it, and you know, not that the cake's the healthiest thing to make, but when you buy those cakes, there's 39, 40 ingredients. You know, all the chemicals that are in there to preserve it. And you're putting all these chemicals in your body that your body wasn't meant to take. Sometimes I could even be eating less food, but eating the wrong foods, and that's why I'm exhausted all the time. That's why my body's not feeling good. That's why my digestive system isn't running right. So I'm not healthy, but maybe I'm making weight in a sense. So it's what is it in my life that's making me unhealthy? What is it that I turn to that's bad for me? One thing I remember is elastic was an enemy of mine. There was one summer that I wore shorts every day for the summer. And there, there was elastic shorts. And then in the fall came, I tried to put on jeans, and I couldn't get them on. I gained 10 pounds, and I didn't even know it. So, you know, sometimes your clothing can be your enemy. But whatever you turn to to meet that comfort in your life that's unhealthy, whatever you turn into, that's what I want you to think about today. That's what I'm talking to you about today. Let's have health. In other words... It's not just about what I'm eating. It's what's eating me. And that's my question to you. What's eating you? What's eating you? What is it that makes you rely on nicotine to have comfort? What is it that makes you want to smoke pot? What is it that makes you want to drink too much? What is it that makes you turn to food? What is it that makes you want to be a workaholic and you're not balancing your health? What is it that's empty on the inside 
that's causing you to turn to those things instead of God and your family and something healthy. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19, it says, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? So this body is God's temple. Your body is God's temple. God lives in you. And yet I'll confess, I think I sometimes treat my body more like it's a frat house than a temple of God. You know, why do we do these things? If I know this is God's temple, his dwelling place, I want to make it as good and healthy as possible. But we turn to the wrong things. Look at second, I mean, look at Titus chapter 2, verse 12. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. What is that pleasure that you have that's sinful? When I mean sinful, it's affecting you. It affects your health. What's the pleasure that you have a tendency to turn to that's unhealthy for you, that you know is making your body not as healthy as it could be? We should live in this evil world with self-control, right conduct, and devotion to God. In that verse, it says self-control. Self-control is an attribute of holiness, of being what God wants. I've got to get discipline in my life. I've got to have self-control in my life. What's preventing me from doing that? What's preventing me from devoting this aspect of my life to God? So instead of having this great relationship with God where I fill up in the inside, I'm feeling empty inside, so I go smoke a joint to make me feel better. What's causing me to do that? What's missing in there? So I go eat something that I know is unhealthy for me, but it sure does make me feel better. What's missing inside? What's that disconnect between me and God that's preventing me from being happy enough to be healthy enough? Because I desire health. I just can't seem to get there. I can't seem to get there. I'll get there for a while, then I'll fall back. What's making that happen? What's happening inside us? I believe we want to do well. I believe that we have the best intentions to doing well, but it's always harder to follow through on those intentions. I want to go from just wanting to be better to actually being better. In Alcoholics Anonymous, they talk about the man takes the drink, then the drink takes the drink, and then the drink takes the man. That's what happens. You know, to our life, whatever it is, you put it in there. Whatever it is that you're turning to, that's what happens to you. You become dependent on it. So you no longer control it. It's controlling you. And that's why I go into the store to get a salad and walk out with a pizza. That's why. Because it's controlling me. I'm not controlling it. It has power over my life to control my actions, to control my choices. But why? Why do I give this to me? Why do I give it that power? What inside am I not dealing with that's causing this? Romans 12.1 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Did you know that there are so many verses in the Bible talking about your physical body? There's so many of them. And he's pleading with them, with them to give your bodies to God. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. Let your body be a sacrifice. Give it to God. And instead of giving it to God, we sacrifice it to something else that's destroying the body, that's making it worse. You know, sometimes my body is bad just because I don't do any exercise at all. Just no exercise at all. You know, there, and I need, to, I need to start doing things. If I could exercise, I'd say, a half an hour every other day, would it, it, would it extend my life maybe five or ten years? Probably so. But I just don't exercise. I've got to do something. I've got to get out and work because my health is going down. I want to do it because I want to see my grandkids. If something cut my life short because of an accident, that happens. If something cut my life short because of, you know, a disease um, of some sort that you had no control over, you know, that happens. But if something cuts my life short 
because I knew I should have stopped smoking 30 years ago and I just never did. Or I knew I drank too much and it's destroying me. Or I know I'm eating too much and I don't have it under control. Or I know I'm a workaholic going, going, going. I never rest enough. I, I'm, I've, I've done it to me. I would be the reason why I don't get to impact my grandkids. I want them in my life. I want to be able to impact them. I want to be able to live as long and as healthy as God would want. God, how long do you want me to live? How healthy do you want me to be? That's what we're striving for. Let's live as long and healthy so that we can be used by him in every way that he desires. It continues in that verse. When you think of what he has done for you, is that too much to ask? It's talking about being a holy sacrifice. Sacrifice, if you think about what God sacrificed for you, is it too much to ask that you sacrifice for him? You know, that you say, some people would have to say, I'm never going to drink again. You know, that would be what some people have to do. Um, some people would have to say, you know, I'm, I'm going to give up smoking or whatever it is. But are you willing to make that sacrifice that you have to make to be healthy? For me to be a healthy person, I've got to sacrifice and get up 30 minutes earlier every day and do a little exercise. It does, you know, what, everybody has different issues that you struggle with. Are you willing to make that sacrifice? And he's saying, is it too much for God to ask you to sacrifice for your body? It's talking about your body. It's not talking about getting up and, and reading the Bible. That's not what that verse is referring to. It's your body being a living sacrifice. And it's, what was the sacrifice that Jesus did? He died on the cross for us. If you've ever seen the word, the, uh, the, the movie, The Passion, and you see what he, he sacrificed his life and his body for us. And then he's saying, now turn around and sacrifice your body for God by being holy, which means being pure, which really means being healthy. That's what it literally means. So, so be healthy. Be healthy. Don't get involved in this stuff that's bad for your body. Be a healthy person. God wants you to be healthy. I get it. Because when we feed our kids, we try to feed them in a healthy way. I want my kids to be healthy. You know, I, I really want them to be healthy. We understand those things so we can understand that God wants me to be healthy. Does he want me to be healthy spiritually? Yeah. Emotionally, yeah. But also physically. He wants me to be healthy physically. He wants you to be healthy physically. We tell ourselves lies. I do. Like I'll tell myself self like, you know, for example, I get down to 168 pounds. I'm feeling really good about myself. Like, this is how I should be. I feel in shape now. I can tell it when I go to practice. I can see the difference when I'm coaching the team. You, you, you can, you're just healthy. You can tell. You feel better. And then when I stop doing it and I slowly go up and now I've gained 17 pounds and I, then you get back up to 185 or whatever I get to, but that's what I get to. And I say to myself, but, you know, this isn't as bad as other things. You know what I mean? And if you listen to my messages, I talk a lot about character because I say that's the most important thing, character. But then I read verses like this in Ezekiel. You remember the city of Sodom in the Bible? It got destroyed by God because the people had gotten so wicked. And in Ezekiel, here's what it says about Sodom. It says, Sodom's sins were pride, laziness, and gluttony. (laughs) I think, wait a minute, that's me. That's me. I get prideful, I get lazy, and I can be a glutton. And um, in the New American Standard Version, it says, arrogance, abundant food, and careless ease. The NIV version says, arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. I say, wait a minute. I don't like that. I like the Genesis where it only mentions other things that I'm not involved in. I don't want to hear what Ezekiel says because he's talking to me now. And what is a glutton? We think of that with food. But gluttony is when you take anything to excess. Anything to excess. It could even be social media. That you're so involved in social media that you're neglecting your marriage. Or you're so involved in social media that you're not spending enough time with the kids. Like I have enough time to do everything on Facebook, but I never play with my children. It, 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 anything that can, is overdone is a form of gluttony. 
which means it can be something good, but it's misused. We relate to it to food a lot, right? Because everybody knows food is good. You have to have it, but it can be misused, you know? And uh, the other type of things like um, having a gambling problem, you know, and those other things, they're bad things, you know, and you're doing these uh, things, but uh, gluttony can be good things even though you're overdoing it, turning it into something bad. But if, there's, if you have a gambling problem, if you're out of control with your finances, all these things, this is what it's talking about. It's talking about lack of self-control. It's talking about doing things that are harmful. And of course, I'm specifically talking today about the things that harm your health. There's a book called Pinocchio Parenting. You know, Pinocchio, every time he lied, his nose grew bigger. And the idea is there's a lot of parents that their nose have grown bigger and bigger and bigger telling kids things that are lies. There's a lot of stuff in there. But the one I want to focus on that hit me because of, you know, thinking of the areas that I struggle the most in is we'll tell our kids, it doesn't matter what you look like on the outside, it's the inside that counts. But I don't know of any employer that would say the outside doesn't affect their opinion on that person for hiring them. I don't know of any kid that really believes that the outside doesn't matter because I don't know of any adult that believes the outside doesn't matter. Yeah. Now, the inside does matter, obviously. But the outside matters too. And if inside, if I have a heart of gold, but I'm just ruining my body with all the stuff I put in it, whatever that your vice is that messes you up, and I stick this stuff in my body, and I stick this stuff, it's going to show on the outside. It's going to show on the outside. And it's going to shorten my life. So the outside matters so much. It's not just the inside that counts. I want to be healthy on the inside, which means I want to forgive people that have done me wrong, let go of my resentment, my anger. I want to be healthy on the inside, which means I let go of my guilt and my regret and my shames. My shame, I deal with that and let go of those things. I want to trust God, so I let go of my worry and fear. I want to do all those things that make me healthy on the inside. But I want to be healthy on the outside too. I want to be healthy on the outside as well. God cares about your whole being. I want to be spiritually healthy where I have a deep, intimate relationship with God. In Romans 6.13, it says, Do not let any part of your body become a tool of wickedness. Talking about your body again. To be used for sinning. Instead, give yourselves completely to God since you have been given new life. And he's talking about your body. He's actually talking about your physical body. God, this body is yours, so I'm, I'm going to give it to you. Which means I'm going to do it the way that you'd want me to. And use your whole body as a tool to do what is right for the glory of God. So I'm using my body to do what's right in how I treat you, but also how I treat myself. How do I treat myself? Am I harmful to my own body or am I treating myself in a good way? Am I, because of my harmful vices that I've given my life to, um, can I get very much done without breathing and, and having to stop and break? Or can I really work strong and hard for God or my family or whatever I'm called to do because I'm being healthy? There's another lie that we do. All I have to do is this. And we get it in our idea that there's a solution that this easy step is going to work. Those things never work. Because it's really less about those easy steps. It's more about what's happening inside me. That's what I have to deal with. No diet book, for example, teaches you how to deal with your heart. Like, what is it that's making you turn to food for comfort? What is it that's making you want to smoke pot for comfort? What is it that's making you want to drink alcohol for comfort? What is it that's making you, whatever your issue is, what is it that's making you turn to that to make you feel good about yourself instead of God? And diet books don't Deal with those things. So I remember being on diets thinking, well, I'm just going to eat a small breakfast 
and then I'll eat a salad for lunch, and I'll make sure I eat dinner before 6 o'clock, and I'll be good. Well, what happened is when I only ate a small breakfast and a salad for lunch, I ate 5,000 calories for dinner because I was, like, starving. You know, it, it doesn't work, you know. I, I just don't have the discipline to pull that off. There was this one thing. I didn't try it, but it was saying, you know, uh, you get a glass of water, and you put three scoops of their powder in it, and you stir it, and after dinner, every night after dinner, make sure you eat dinner before 6 o'clock. Then, after, then you drink that, and then you don't eat or drink anything the rest of the evening, and you're going to just watch the weight come off. If I had the willpower not to eat anything else the rest of the, week, uh, the evening, I wouldn't have a problem at all. <laughs> you know, it, it just doesn't work. I don't have the willpower to do these type of things. Because the real issue isn't that. The issue is, why am I turning to that for comfort in my life? What is it that's going on? Who have I not forgiven? What am I so worried about? You know, something's going on at work and I'm stressed out and worried about it, so I eat too much because I feel better after I eat. You know, I relax. I don't do this one, but probably the people who I relax and smoke pot and I feel better. I drink too much and I don't have to think about it and I feel better. But what is it that you're doing? In Jeremiah 6, 13 and 14, from the least to the greatest, they trick others to get what does not belong to them. I put this in because it reminded me of some diet books I've read, like uh, here's what the, they're doing. From the least to the greatest, they trick others to get what does not belong to them. I buy their stuff and they get my money. Yes, even my priests are like that. They offer superficial treatments for people's mortal wounds. And I like this verse too because it talks about people, they have priests, but we have pastors. And I thought, a lot of pastors don't like to preach about things that we struggle with. We like to preach about things that other people struggle with so we feel good about ourselves. So let's preach a sermon about the bad guys out there and we're the good guys, yeah. And we go home feeling great about ourselves. But he's confronting that. One of the reasons I wanted to do this message, I thought like, man, I've got to preach to me in this one because this hits me at where I struggle with. I want to learn how to break free and have control and, you know, lose weight and, st- and keep it off. And I realized as I was studying the Bible and putting stuff together that every time you aren't forgiving people and you get that resentment and anger, that's when you turn to these things. Or every time you're worried about things, what's going to happen, and you're stressed out, that's when you turn to these type of things. Or you're feeling guilty about things, and that's when you turn to these things. Instead of dealing with the issue, instead of dealing with the resentment and letting it go and the you know, worries, the fear, when you don't deal with what's going on there, you've got to find comfort because nobody can live day after day for long periods of time feeling miserable on the inside about what's happening in life. So the marriage is going bad. You're arguing every day in marriage, and that's the things that tempt you to turn to some substance that gives you comfort because you're not getting any comfort at home. You feel miserable. So you turn to food, you turn to whatever it is. What's the real issue isn't the food. The real issue isn't marijuana. It's not tobacco. Those aren't the real issues. The real issue is why don't I deal with my marriage? Or why don't I deal with whatever the issue is that you're struggling with? Deal with the issue so you're not longing for something to make you feel good inside. Some people, it can be dreaming of that vacation to get away because you're not content. So you're living and dreaming. You know, God wants you to deal with the issues inside that really cause you to offer or give yourself to a superficial treatment, which is, I'll just drink a little bit too much tonight and I'll feel better. That's a superficial treatment, right? That's not giving us what we need. I need to forgive that person or I need to trust God and not worry about that job interview or whatever the situation is that's uh, giving you that unrest that makes you feel like I've got to find comfort. I need to say, God, I've given you my life. Jesus, I've given you my life. Now I need to give you my stress. I've given you my life. Now I need to give you this resentment. 
You know, we need to have, let Jesus heal us on the inside so we don't have that emptiness that we're searching for those other things. I always want to believe, like, I can do it on my own. One thing I've learned is when it comes to diet, uh, I think well, when it comes to anything, it's going to happen this way. All these things are uh, relative to whatever situation you have. But, like, when it comes to diet, I've seen this with both Tanya and I. When I try to diet on my own, I do good for a couple weeks, and then I fizzle out. When she tries to diet on her own, she'll do good for a couple weeks and sometimes fizzle out. But I notice that when we both do it together, we always have success. You know, it's easier when, like, a, a couple is like, hey, let's do this. Let's work on it together. It's always easier because you have support, you have encouragement, and it, it makes a big difference. What I'm saying is, you might not be married. I'm not saying you have to have a marriage partner to make this work. But what I'm trying to say is, when you have somebody doing it with you, it works. When I used to lift weights on a regular basis, I was going there with my son. His schedule changed, and guess who quit lifting? <laughs> Why? It was so much easier to be there because I knew he was relying on me to be there. So I go and lift with, you know, but then his schedule changed, and then all of a sudden I find that I'm not lifting anymore because it was so much harder to get there without a partner, without somebody encouraging me that's relying on me to get there, those type of things. So we need people in our life. There's this guy, he fell into this hole. And he was trapped in there, and he was yelling, help, help, get me out of here. And a doctor comes by, and he says, oh, let me write you a prescription because you've got lots of cuts and bruises. If you ever get out of there, you're going to need this, and drops it in and goes on. He said, hey, I wanted you to help me get out. And then an attorney walks by and says, oh, wow, uh, let me give you my business card. You've got a lawsuit. We're going to make some money for you, okay? You take this business card, and if you ever get out of there, give me a call because I'm going to take care of you. And he says, get me out of here. Get me out of here. Then his best friend comes by, and he hears this guy, Bob, yelling, get me out of here. And he says, Bob, is that you? He says, yeah. And then his best friend jumps in the hole with him. <laughs> and he wants to strangle him. Just get me. What? what are you doing? I just want you to get me out of the hole. And he says, Bob, settle down. I've been in this hole before, and I know the way out. That's what you need. You need someone that's been in the hole that you're in and already knows the way out. So what you want to do is, if you're struggling with smoking pot, you want to find key people that's been in that hole and they don't do it anymore. They found the way out. If you're struggling with drinking too much, you want to be with people that's been in that hole and they found the way out. Yeah, I used to drink too much in I found my way out. I'm healthy now. That person's going to know what you're going through, and they're going to be able to, if it's eating, whatever the situation is, find people that's been in that hole and has found their way out and knows how to get out and knows how to guide you out. It's too hard to do it by willpower and on your own. You need people in your life. You need, we need one another. God designed us to help one another. Look at Ecclesiastes 4.12. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. And what God is trying to say here is, I don't want you to lose. I don't want you to lose this battle. I want you to be the winner. And he says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. He's saying, but when you have somebody in your life, you're working together, you can succeed. I don't want you to be a loser. I want you to win. Don't give up. Get a friend. Work together on it. Watch what can happen. Three or even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So whatever you need in your life to get healthier, whatever's holding you back and hurting your health and what's ever bad for you, get a friend. Get a partner to help you. See, we can be very stubborn, and we can give our reasons why we do what we do, and not want to change, you know. If you had to put up with her, you'd be drinking every day too. You know what I mean? If you had to put up with him, you'd be eating every day too. I mean, we can always come up with, you know, arrogant entitlements and stubborn resistance. Like, I've always been this way. Where you, I've always been this way. Why are you trying to change me? We can always do that type of stuff. That's just a guaranteed way not to work on my issue and not to win. 
It's just a guaranteed way to be a loser. I, I lost. Why? Because I didn't try. I was too stubborn. So the point is, having success isn't easy. And you take steps forward, and then you fall back again. You take steps forward, and you fall back. But you're trying, right? You're, you're attempting. You might have been knocked down. Don't let the devil knock you out. Okay? You've been knocked down. Get back up. The 10 count hasn't, it, it, you know, the referee hasn't counted you out. You might think he already counted the 10. I'm saying, no, he hasn't. Get back up. Finish the fight. Finish the fight. You might knock down again. And, oh, what happened? Why did I fall back? Into, then get back up again. The fight's not over. Are you dead yet? No, the fight's not over. So get back up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Look at 2 Peter 2.10. He is especially hard on those who follow their own evil, lustful desires and who despise authority. These people are proud and arrogant. He's just saying he's against us being too proud and arrogant to change and do what he wants, or at least to try. Acts, you stubborn people, you are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? He's saying don't resist God, the Holy Spirit. So, like, you're using drugs and maybe you're using some sort of excuse of why, in your case, it's okay. And he's saying, don't resist God. Maybe you're using alcohol to a point, like you're, you're drinking too much and it's hurting your body, and, and you're, but you have your excuse why. And saying, don't refuse God. You know, don't, don't reject God. It's saying, whatever excuse you use, don't do that, because you're really resisting the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of uh, s- scripture on pride and arrogance and these type of things. But the one example that I see, who's the most arrogant person in the Bible? Probably Pharaoh. Pharaoh, God is saying, let the Israelites go. Let my people go. And he refuses. And even when horrible things happen to him, he still doesn't change. I've seen people have to have heart surgery and then they still go back to the same lifestyle. And you think, to me, I say, that's a horrible thing that just happened. I would change now, but sometimes they still don't change. You know, the doctor says, those cigarettes are going to kill you, and they don't even attempt. They say, well, I'm going to die anyway. Who cares? I'm going to die anyway. They don't even attempt to try to get healthy. So here Pharaoh is, the most horrible things. Have you ever had a boil? Don't raise your hand. But have you ever had a boil? It's horrible. Their bodies were being filled with boils, and he still wouldn't give in. One boil is enough. Okay, God, you convinced me. I'll obey. And they said, boils. Oh, how about this? They had to deal with this plague of frogs. Frogs everywhere. Is that so weird? Like frogs everywhere. And it says a plague of flies. So flies are everywhere and the frogs everywhere. Can you imagine this? It would be like being forced to live in Louisiana. Can you imagine that? <laughs> he was so stubborn he would not give in no matter how bad it was. And we can be guilty of the same thing. We can be so stubborn that even though it's hurting us, we give our reasons to why we do it. And I'm saying, don't do that. Don't be like Pharaoh. Let's try to want to be as healthy as we can for God, for our kids, for whoever, for your partner. Let's be healthy as we can. Anything within your control Anything within your control, try to be healthy. And when you give in to those temptations, don't give up and say, well, I always mess up. I always, why even bother trying? Don't give up. If you've, been not, if you've messed up a thousand times, I want you to get up on thousand number one and say, okay, I'm going to try again. You mess up and you fall into it again, thousand and two. You know, and I, I want you to get up and say, well, I'm going to try again. The key is just don't give up. If you don't give up, you'll probably get somewhere. But guaranteed failure if you do give up. Proverbs 27.3. A stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but the resentment caused by a fool is heavier than both. Resentment is really heavy on you. It destroys you. I'm sharing this verse because I'm trying to focus on the things that make you try to get comfort. Ephesians 4.31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of malicious behavior. So it's really an issue of my heart. 
If I can let go of my bitterness, if I can let go of my shame, if I can let go of my guilt, if I can let go of my worries and fears, I don't have to turn to substances for pleasure. I don't have to turn to substances for comfort. I already feel comfort inside. I feel that comfort from God. So much of these things have to do with with what's happening here. There are three connections that really help. You want to connect with God. You want to connect with family. You want to connect with the church. First of all, with God. What I'm saying here is one of the reasons we turn to other things for comfort is we don't really feel loved by God. You don't really know that God is head over heels for you, that God is crazy about you. You don't feel it. Maybe you believe it here because people told you that in church, but you don't feel it on the inside. That's why I'm saying build a deep relationship with God. When you feel loved by God, it changes you. It changes you. It's not just when you believe it. It's got to get from here to here. I believe God loves me. I don't feel it yet. It's got to get from here to here. And when you feel it, it makes a, a world of difference in your life. 1 John 4, 17 and 18. Here's what he says. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid of the day of judgment. But we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his love. If you're afraid, it's because of fear of punishment. What it's saying is there's people out there that fear God. They're afraid because they think God's going to zap you because of what you did. Because you did fall down a thousand and one times. Zap. That's what they think God's up to doing. And what he's saying here is that's a sign that you have, that you have not experienced God's perfect love because God is not going to punish you. You're punishing yourself. He doesn't have to do anything. He's trying to get you out from under your own demise. It's like, I'm going to hurt myself, God. Oh, that makes me mad. I'm going to hurt you more. Zap. No, that's not how God works. I'm going to hurt myself, God. And he's going to try to say, stop, stop. You don't need to hurt yourself. He's not going to zap you. When you understand his perfect love, when you really have a relationship with God, when you really know his character, it changes you from the inside out. And it says it takes away your fear. How many times have I been anxious about things so I eat something to make me feel better? It's amazing what a hot dog can do for you. You know, how many times have I done that? When I could have been in that relationship deep with God and not had to have anxiety, and therefore, I don't have to eat this hot dog that I'm really not hungry for, but it just feels so good to eat it at that time. To, to you know, start smoking cigarettes again just to, you know, because I'm nervous. You know, whatever people are doing, you know, uh, we want to deal with the right thing, deal with the heart. The second thing is you get that relationship with God right. The second thing is the relationship with your family. And I'm going to say this. The number one reason people turn to vices is more to do with family issues. Bad relationship with your parents, bad marriage, bad these, you know, it's a lot to do with family stuff. So you want to make your marriage as healthy as you can be. You want to fall in love with each other. You know, like, You were in love with each other once before. Fall back in love with each other. You want to not just correct your kids. That needs to be done. But you want to connect with your kids. Connecting with your kids is more important than correcting your kids. But they're both important, right? But some people correct and don't connect. You want to connect with them. You want to be there for them. In Ephesians 4.2, it says, Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. You want to accept them. Make allowance for their faults. Now, don't get me wrong here. There are some people that are absolutely horrible in action. There are some people that are absolutely horrible. There are people that maybe molested you. There are people that maybe have hurt you in deep, deep ways. I'm not saying that you invite those people back into your life. 
What I am saying is you've got to forgive them so you can move on. Forgiveness doesn't mean the relationship is restored. Okay? Trust has to be earned on their side. But there are some people that have done horrible things to you. It might be an uncle or something like that that was really bad, and you don't have them in your life anymore. But if you don't forgive them and let it go, you can be angry and bitter the rest of your life. It's going to mess you up forever. So you have to deal with it. Forgiveness doesn't mean allowing that back, back in. Forgiveness means getting all the junk that's inside me out. You're not letting that person back in. You're getting all that junk that they caused out. Now that that's out of me, I've forgiven them. I let it go. Now I can be happy again. And I can enjoy life. And I don't need to turn to alcohol to drown out my memories or whatever you use uh, in those times. Then Romans 14, 9 says, let us concentrate on the things which make for harmony and on the growth of one another's character. One of the things that we need to connect with is the church. God designed the church to be a spiritual support. You need people in your life that love God and will, will, will have your back. Love God and will have your back. Now, is it possible for you to have a job and you go to this church and somebody else at the work goes to a church in Orange County, somebody else goes to a church in L.A., and the three of you guys become really good friends. You all love God. You're solid. And you've got one another's back, but you don't go to the same church. Is that possible? Yeah, that's possible. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Um, but what I'm trying to say is this. Most people don't have that. Most Christians come here and they feel like they have support here, but in their regular work field, they kind of feel like they're alone. You know, I talked to the high school kids. They feel like that they're the, like the, I feel like I'm the only Christian at the high school. And I feel like if I were to bring it up, I'd probably be laughed at. You know, you have that feeling like you're the only one. And what I'm trying to say is the church is designed to be a place where you connect with one another and you get those friendships. Yesterday, the men, some of us here, we went out and we had breakfast together. It was really fun. I really enjoyed it. And in our talk, we said, we, we should do this every month. Like every month, get together. Those relationships are so important because I feel like, and we, had, we, we met at 9 and we stayed till 12 o'clock, just hanging out, talking and everything. And I feel like all those men there got closer together, and I feel like we understand each other more and more, and I feel like we've got each other's back more and more. I feel like if something happened to somebody, we would step up because we know him. We like him. He's not a stranger. Let's help him. In a church of 100 people around that, something happens to you, and we don't see you. It's not on purpose, but two months could go by, and then I say, Hey, whatever happened to George? Remember George? What happened to him? He used to come every week, and it seems like it's been two or three months since I've seen him. That's what happens in an unhealthy church. Is it unhealthy that the pastor doesn't know, or is it unhealthy that the person going to the church isn't building relationships? No one can know unless you have friends. Here's the perfect healthy church when it comes to social things, is everybody in the church is connecting with one another, finding ways to connect with a team of people or something, that if something happened and you were gone for a couple of weeks, somebody's going to know, you know, because you have friends. And they would say, hey, whatever happened to so-and-so? And I said, oh, I don't know. And now I know, because they'll probably tell me. But if they don't tell me, they might tell all their friends that, are, that know the person, and then they contact them. No one should ever go, you know, two or three weeks out of the church and nobody even noticed that they were gone yet. That, that shouldn't happen. But it, it's, it's exactly what happens if you're not connected in. You can't have one person trying to keep an eye on 100 people. We have about 100 people on a Sunday, but we have, have about 120 or 30 that come on a regular basis. One guy can't remember 100, you know, but... If you as a church member is, you do, like on uh, Wednesday nights, we have a group of 30 people that have been coming, 
And I think we, we break them into small groups and people are getting to know each other. They're getting friends. If you're serving in a ministry, you're, you're connected in. If you, but find a way to get connected in. Find a way to make sure that you have a group of Christians there that have your back. Not just know you, but I've got their back, they've got my back. We're here together. I'm going to help them. They're going to help me. We're here. Don't be a lone ranger Christian because what happens is you have problems like that and you don't have the spiritual support. You might even have family members that support you, but I'm particular, and they might be spiritual, they might be Christians, and that's, that's perfect then. But not everybody's in that situation. You need to make sure that if something happens to you, you've got people that are solid with God there to support you and encourage you and be there for you. That's what you want. That's the desire that we have. That's what God wants for your life. Now, maybe today with some of the things I've said, maybe I've upset you. Maybe you feel a little resentment toward me and maybe you think like, uh, he was a little bit insensitive about this and that. If that's the way you feel, next week I'm going to talk about how to get rid of your anger. So you got to come back. <laughs> no, the truth of the matter is, I think that, seriously, you know, we want to be healthier in every way. We want to be healthier in every way. So I want to encourage you guys to, whatever it takes, take those steps. Get a key per- person in your life. Hey, we can do this together. And maybe it's a secret sin and you have to confess it to somebody. Hey, I'm drinking too much or I'm, whatever it is. And get the support and everything and have victory. Have victory. You can do it. You can do it. We can do it together. And let's be the healthiest people that we can be. We want to be the healthiest people spiritually. We want to be the healthiest people in character. And let's be the healthiest people physically. Let's live as long as God would want us to. As long as God would want us to. Let's do that. Let's try to live the type of lifestyle that can help us be as healthy as long as possible. With that, let's pray. God, we know that you care about our spirits. We know that you care about our souls but you also care about our body. We know in scripture it says glorify you with our body, offer our body as a living sacrifice to you. You ask us to sanctify our our bodies for you. So obviously we know that you care about health. And Lord, these issues are hard. They're addictive. You know, we rely on these things for comfort. Help us to deal with the issues in our heart that will help us to rely on you for our comfort, that we'll have healthy families and we can rely on one another for comfort, and that we'll have a healthy church that we can rely on one another here for comfort, that we can reach the issues of our heart in healthy ways that extend our life, not in unhealthy ways that shorten our life, so that we can be here for our kids or grandkids, and that we can just serve you in a bigger and better way. Lord, we're giving you our lives, our bodies too. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.